So we are finishing up our series, Fireworks, today. This series, we've been talking about um, some of the more controversial or harder things that the Bible tells us when it comes to how we live. And really, this, this series kind of turned into a, a series about self-denial, which is the hardest way to live. We did two sermons on that um, week one and two. Last week, Dr. Bowser was here and gave, gave a, a great message that, with, that was not about self-denial, but at the same time, exactly about self-denial. Um, and today, to close out this series, I was trying to think of what I was going to talk about today. And um, there are two topics, as a pastor, you know this, or if you're in ministry, you know this. Uh, there are two topics that everyone hates hearing about in church. Um, they're the two topics that when you finally get your friend to come to church or you finally get that family member to come to church, you just pray that the church is not talking about either of these two topics. You may know what those topics are. Here, If you don't, I'll tell you. The first one is sex. None of us like to hear about that in church, and I get why. We, we should talk about it because the culture always talks about it, and the Bible's pretty clear on, on sex, on that topic. But the reason why we don't like talking about it is because if you've been in church long enough, you've heard the weird sermon from the creepy pastor about it. And so you're always like, ah, no, it's just way too uncomfortable. I don't want to. I've never actually done a sermon on it. Um, I don't really want to. Maybe I should one day, but I haven't done it yet. So good news. Today, we are not talking about sex, okay? Um, the bad news is I'm talking about the other thing that no one wants to talk about, and that's money. No one likes hearing sermons when it comes to money, finances, giving, tithing. We don't like hearing it. Um, so for me, it's kind of hard to think of a sermon for a topic that I know the second I say it, you're all like, oh, this is the week I should have gone to brunch. Like, this is the week I should have stayed home. Um, so I get it. Last year, I only talked about um, money one time, um, and we try to talk about it at least once or twice. We don't do money series because then you wouldn't show up. So we hide them inside other series. That's what we do. Um, but Besides knowing that you guys don't like hearing about this topic, the other reason I don't like talking about this is because this is something that I struggle with. Every time I write these sermons when it comes to our finances, I always feel convicted because I, just like some of you, um, fall under the wrong mindset when it comes to our stuff. I believe there are two mindsets, and I fall under the first mindset. And here's what the first mindset is. It's a scarcity mindset. I fall under this category a lot. Scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset believes that we don't have enough, that we'll never have enough, that there just isn't enough. Imagine you're at Thanksgiving dinner, and you all eat the dinner, and you can't wait for the best part of Thanksgiving dinner. That's the pie, right? You're there with all your aunts, all your uncles, your extended family. There's 30, 40, 50 people at this Thanksgiving dinner, and your mom or your grandmother or whoever brings out one pie for the whole family. And you see that pie and you think, that's not enough for all of us. So then you start to look and you see that aunt who always gets way too big of a piece, like, you better watch out, I'm going to in front of you for sure. That uncle who gets for all the other kids. And then all of a sudden you start seeing them cut, and the scarcity mindset says, I need to get a piece of that pie because it's going to run out eventually, and I don't want to miss out on that piece. I'm going to go up there and get my piece of the pie because there isn't enough of it. That's a scarcity mindset. And I truly believe that all of us in this room would say that you want to be generous. In fact, I truly believe that if you consider Impact Church a church home, you all want to say that you want to tithe, that you want to be able to give, that we want to be able to give to charity. We want to be able to give some of our stuff away. I think all of us want to do that. But the problem is some of us think, I don't know if I can do it. I just don't have enough. 
If I had enough, if I got that raise or if I made enough money, then I'd be able to be generous. Then I'd be able to give it. If I, if I won the lottery, then I'd be able to then give. But until then, I just don't have enough. And until I get enough, I can't do it. So we tell ourselves that when we make more, when we reach a specific goal in our savings account, when we have paid off a certain amount of debts, then we'll start giving. But a scarcity mindset, there's never enough. And here's what scarcity mindset really is. It's fear. It's fear of not having enough. We have to save because what if we don't have enough one day? We have to buy this now because what if we need this? We cannot give because what if? It's all fear. We fear not having enough, so we think we need more. So we keep getting more and more and more, thinking that we will get to the point that we finally have enough, but with a scarcity mindset, you never have enough. I struggle with this mindset. At times, I struggle with a scarcity mindset. Um, In case you don't know, I work full-time for this church. This is my only job. And um, I am very blessed and lucky to be able to be paid full-time to do this job. I am very lucky and blessed. The board and the finance team takes care of me. All that to say, I don't make that much money. In fact, most of my friends make a lot more money than I do. So when I meet someone or I'm hanging out with somebody, I just know that I probably make less than them. It just, that's life. And then my wife is a teacher. I don't know if you know much about teachers. They don't historically make a lot of money either. So us two together, you would say, we don't necessarily make a lot of money. So at times, when I'm thinking about giving or, or giving some of my stuff away, I always think, well, here's the thing, I, I don't make that much money because I don't make that much money compared to some people. But instead of me being thankful for all the blessings that I have, things like being gifted with no student loans, my, myself and my wife have zero student loans, nothing because, not, there's nothing I did about that, there's nothing my wife did about that, it's solely because my parents sacrificed and my in-laws sacrificed that we have no student loans. Instead of being thankful for that blessing, instead of being thankful that during the pandemic I didn't lose a job and my wife didn't lose a job and we still got paychecks, instead of being thankful for having great benefits, instead of being thankful for having a family that's always there for us even when we when we fall short financially, instead of being thankful for the flexibility I have with a job where you have to pay for babysitters and I don't have to pay for as many because I can be flexible with my hours instead of being thankful for that, instead of being thankful for the fact that I was able to buy a home early in marriage that gave us an opportunity to buy a bigger home because of the first home we, we did, instead of all that, I always think, I don't have enough. It's, I just can't give because if I got more, if I made a little more, if my wife made a little more, then maybe. So every week, when I write my tithe check, which I write a tithe check, I literally write one every week. Um, every week when I do that, I always think, ah, I could use this money. I know the bills I have. I know what our savings account looks like. We could use that. And then, here's how it even got worse. When stimulus checks were coming out, we got stimulus checks. And right before we got one, we heard we were getting one, I told Erica, Erica, when we get our stimulus check, we're tithing on this. We're giving 10% of it right away immediately. This is free money. I didn't do anything to earn it. It was just given to me. Give it 10% of it away. And then we have three kids, and both of us qualified, so we got a pretty good stimulus check. And when it came, all of a sudden I went, ooh, I don't know if I can write this stimulus check. And it's free money. I, was, I did nothing to earn it, and yet still I couldn't write the che- I felt I had trouble writing that check. That is my mindset all the time. It's a scarcity mindset of I'm afraid if I do it and I lose this, then something's going to happen to me and one day I'm going to need it. Scarcity mindset. 
In Luke 12, Jesus gives a parable talking exactly about this scarcity mindset. Luke 12, starting in verse 16. It says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So Jesus is telling a story of a rich farmer who, have, who has so many crops, it's abundant. He has so many, he doesn't know what to do with all of it. And I love the fact that Jesus used a farmer. You notice that because farmers, farmers have to do a lot of work, but where does it come? From the ground. It's literally God's gift. He uses a farmer, and then he continues on to verse 18. And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. It's a scarcity mindset. Store it up. When you have enough, then you can relax. When you have enough, then you can retire. When you have enough, then you can take that trip you've always wanted to do. But until then, store it. Store it as much as you can. And then look what Jesus says. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. God doesn't want us to have a scarcity mindset. Instead, what does he want us to have? Number two, an abundance mindset. An abundance mindset. If the scarcity mindset is worried that you're not going to get a piece of that pie at Thanksgiving dinner, an abundance mindset is understanding, hey, there's only one pie out right now, but there are 10 more in the kitchen. So go ahead, and I know you're getting that big piece. Hey, take a whole pie, I guess, because there's plenty more in there. I'm not worried about it. I know I'm going to get my piece of the pie because there's so much more. My, my mom wouldn't make one pie for Thanksgiving. There's, so, there's abundance of it. Everyone has a chance to get their piece of the pie. The scarcity mindset is all about fear. An abundance mindset is all about trust. It is trusting that we serve an abundantly generous God. A God who owns it all, a God who provides it all, a God that not only gives us enough, but a God who often gives us more than enough. It is a faith-filled, God-believing, God-honoring mindset that believes that God blesses us, not so that we can store all of it for ourselves, but so that we can bless and be generous to others. In Luke 9, um, Jesus is preaching um, one of his longest sermons to probably his biggest crowd. Um, the Bible says that there were 5,000 people um, there, but it says there was 5,000 men. Most likely, they were close to 10 to 12,000 people because uh, when they would do counts, they wouldn't count um, the women and children. So most likely, there's close to 10 to 12, maybe even 15 to 20,000 people. There are so many people sitting there. He's preaching this sermon to them, and he was giving his longest possible sermon. Now, I don't know how many of you have sat through a sermon that was way too long. I know it's never been me. It's always been another pastor who sat there, right? Um, but it gets hard to listen after a while. I've been to weddings that are over an hour long, and I'm like, just get married already, okay? We get it. You love each other, whatever. I want to go to the reception. So we, you've sat through those things, right? Jesus is giving a long sermon, and the disciples are here, there for this sermon, and they've probably heard a lot of this stuff before. If you ask Frank, and you ask Lauren, and Michelle, and some of the other leaders and staff that have been here for a while, or, or been around me for a while, Frank and Michelle were at the last church where I was at before here. They've heard all the stories. That Dave Grohl story I tell all the time, that a lot of you have heard it, Frank can recite that story for you, okay? They're sick of that story. So the disciples are all here with Jesus, and they've heard a lot of the stuff. They've heard a lot of these sayings, and they're sitting through this sermon that's really long. And look how it says in uh, chapter 9, verse 12. It says, late 
In the afternoon, another translation, which I like better, says, as the day wore on, (laughs) as it just kept going and going, okay? Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowds away so they can go to surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. Now, here's what I picture when I I read that verse, if you read between the lines here a little bit. Um, I can only picture the disciples had a meeting before they went up to Jesus, and they were like, hey, guys, Matthew, come here. Um, Thomas, come here. This sermon's way too long. We gotta, like, should we give them a clue? Like, hey, close. Start closing. Does anyone have a, good, have a harp they can play behind them to maybe wrap them up a little bit? Because here's the thing. We went right through lunch, and it's almost dinner time, and I'm starving. What do you, Thomas, go talk. No, I'm not talking. Okay, let's go together, and we'll say, hey, why don't we send them away? Because they're hungry. Not we're hungry. They're hung- Come on, it's kind of getting late. So they go up to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, hey, listen, awesome sermon, great stuff. Wrote a lot of stuff down. Anyways, listen, um, anyway, you want to send these people, they're hungry. I can see they're hungry. It's not us. We're, we're loving it. It's great. Um, but they're hungry. You want to send them away. And listen to how Jesus responds to them. He's, he replied, you give them something to eat. So it was probably like, we didn't expect that reply. Uh, okay, um, here's the, okay, uh, what do we say now? So here's what the disciples say, verse 14. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy for all, the, all this crowd. So he says, listen, we don't, we don't have enough food to give them. J- Jesus, there's not enough to go around. We only have five loaves and two fish. This isn't enough to give them. We don't have enough. And what does Jesus do if you've been in church long enough, you know this story. Verse 16, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke it. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Now, here's what I'm visualizing. Um, I heard a pastor talk about this, and I thought it was hilarious. I can only imagine they gave their five loaves and two fish, and then they take their baskets, all right, start distributing it. And Thomas goes to that first person and goes, hey, take a small piece, okay? <laughs> There's not much. Please be careful. So they all start, they start distributing to all the people. They start distributing, and then verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied. Now, the way you can say that is, they were full. They ate enough. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. How many, left, how many bags of leftovers were there? 12. How many disciples were there? 12. Each disciple took home a goodie bag from their five loaves and their two fish. See, the disciples gave it. Jesus blessed it. God multiplied it. Catch that? The disciples gave it, Jesus blessed it, and God multiplied it. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Say it another way. I'll say it this way. God didn't give so that you can store. He gave so you can pour. He didn't give so you can store it all in your savings account, and you can store it all in your retirement plan. He gave so you can pour. God gave you everything you have, your ability to work, your ability to make a living, a community around you that is there for you when you need it. He gave it all to you. He didn't give it to you so that you can store it all in case something happens one day. He gave it to you so that when someone around you needs it, you can give it to them. When someone is hurting, you are able to provide. When someone is lacking, you can give. Listen, I've talked about self-denial two weeks in a row. Dr. Bowser talked about self-denial last week. And when I talked about self-denial, I got a lot of good feedback from a lot of you. And I even got some people that said, hey, I want to practice this. How do I do it? You want to know? Give. 
Give. I don't mean like figuratively, like, yeah, give your time. No, practically, go to your savings account and give some of it away. Go to your checking account and give it away. You want to practice self-denial? That's a way to do it. Start giving. Give. Storing is all about you, but pouring is about him. Storing is a scarcity mindset, but pouring is an abundance mindset. God didn't give so that you can store. He gave so you can pour. So how do we pour instead of store? I'm going to give you three really quick ways. The first one, if you've been in church long enough, you know the answer, is tithe. That's number one. Now, for this one, I am talking to people that consider impact church their church home. If you are a first-time visitor, second-time visitor, if this is your first time here, I am not talking to you, okay? Do not feel like this is you. I'm talking to the people that consider impact church their church home. You need to tithe. Tithe is giving back to God your first. The Bible always talks about tithe as 10% or more. Giving back first. Now, I understand if you are here and you consider an impact church, church home, and, but you are tithing or you are having trouble when it comes to tithing, I understand how difficult it is from going from giving zero to 10. I get it. A lot of us live at 100% capacity. Some of us live at 110% of our capacity, right? So I get how hard this can be, that very first step. So here's what I would um, offer you, and I say this every time I, I, I give uh, sermons on, on this. If you've never tithed before, start with whatever percentage you can do and make it a priority. If it's 2%, start with 2%. If it's 3%, start with 3%. But consistently, first thing, give that percentage. Now, some of you in this room, you do tithe, but you tithe 2 or 3% when you could give 10%. You need to increase your tithe. Again, I'm talking to the owners here. If you know, I don't know, you know, if you are not giving what you should be giving, you need to give more. You need to tithe. It's what we are called to do. Now, it's not about the amount you give. It's about your heart. And when we are purposely holding some back when we know we can give more, it's showing what our heart actually is. You need to give more. Now, some of you may be thinking, geez, all right, relax. You aren't showing that much grace right now, okay? You're not being that nice to us. Now, listen, I have given this sermon many times. First couple of times I gave this sermon, I would say things like this. I would say, hey, if you don't trust what we're going to do with the money, then give 10% away to anything, because I would get rid of that excuse, because that's an excuse a lot of us use. But here's what I'm learning, and I'm not going to say that to you, even though I kind of just did, but I'm not going to say it to you. Here's why. If you consider yourself an owner, again, I'm talking to the owners of Impact, not, not any visitor or someone that's checking things out. I'm, not, I'm talking to owners. If you consider Impact Church your church home, and you do not tithe, then you are not fully invested here, period. You're not. Let me give you an analogy. I'm a big music guy. Um, I used to buy CDs and collect CDs, and I liked it a lot. And anytime I'd buy a CD, no matter how much I liked the album or didn't like it, I would play it a lot to see if I liked it. I would give it at least three or four listens until um, I decided if I liked it or not because I put money into it, I invested into it. Then I got out of that and I got Spotify and Spotify is so easy, it's convenient. And people would tell me bands to listen to and I would put on a couple songs and be like, yeah, I like it and never listen to the band ever again because I had no investment into them, it didn't matter. And then I started getting into vinyls. So then every vinyl, every time I buy a vinyl from a band, all of a sudden that band and that album, I kind of like a little more, you know why? I put some of my physical money into it, to invest into it. That's what I did. Bands that I don't do that, I don't care about as much. But when I actually put some of my stuff into them and invest, that is when I, I appreciate it more. If you want to be fully part of what we are doing here, you need to give. 
You need to tithe. It's that simple. And here's one thing I'll add to it. If you don't trust that when you tithe to us, that we're not going to use the money responsibly, you shouldn't go to this church. Why would you go to a church that you think we are going to abuse the tithes that you give, the tithes that I give, the tithes my kids give? You know my kids tithe, right? They give their $4 a month from their, from their allowance all the time. Why would I tell my kids to do that? Because it's not about the amount. It's about your heart, and it's about obedience. If you are not willing to tithe, you are not willing to be fully obedient to God, and that means that money is your God. Don't believe me? Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. If you consider it back towards your church home, but you are not willing to give, and you're not willing to tithe, then you are not fully invested in here. And I encourage you to have a conversation with your family to figure out a way to do that, okay? I encourage you. Again, this is the owners, not visitors here. I'm going to be as strict as possible because I can confidently say that I know what we do with it. We tell you what we do with it. We do an annual meeting every year. We give, as a church, 10% back to our district. So not only do we tell you to do it, we do it. And then we give to the community all the time. We have a big budget for community stuff, for helping with movie nights, for helping with the food pantry, for helping with our organizations, all those things. We, I know what we do with it. I know we hold it responsible. So if you consider it back to a church home, you need to tithe. And if you are still searching for a church home, once you find that church home, I hope it's this, but if it's not, once you do, I encourage you to tithe wherever you go. It's obedience. Number one, tithe. Number two, give. Some of you are thinking, no, Eric, you just said that. You, you talked about that, number one, so what's action number two? I, I'm serious. You tithe, then you give. You tithe, then you give. Giving is above your tithes. It is giving to those in need. You give, and the more you give, you become generous. Tithing is a spiritual discipline. It's simply obedience to God. It is the base level that God says, when it comes to your money, you're tithing. That's what you do. You give, you tithe. But it is intensely denying yourself when it comes to your area of finance. But giving is above that. It's simply living a life generously. There's no specific amount for this. There's nothing that I'm going to tell you an amount to give. It's all about your heart. In fact, Jesus, if you look at the New Testament and the Gospels, Jesus talked more about giving than he did tithing. He talked about tithing. He talked about how it was important. He talked about the Pharisees, and he said, hey, you, you give the tithe, but your heart's not right. You should get tithe and still fix your heart. He, he talks about that. But he gives, talks way more about giving, way more about giving. And he talks in different amounts. He told Zacharias to give half of it away. He told his disciples to give everything away. And then he told other people to give a cup of water to people. Like, he talks about it constantly. So we give. Tithing shows your obedience. Giving shows your heart. And there are so many ways you can give that I'm not going to bore you too much in the ways, but you can find a charity or organization that you really like. For um, Eric and I's wedding, which is 10 years ago on August 6th, we've been married for a long time, um, for our um, favors, party favors, some people give chocolate, some people give trees, some people give, um, some people give things like that. What we did, we thought, um, I never take the party favor home, so we're just going to give to a charity, and we're going to tell everybody we gave to a charity on their behalf. And that was one thing um, our in-laws paid for the wedding. We said, we'll pay for this part. We're just going to give to a charity and say, hey, we gave the 410 Bridge, which works for, with kids in Kenya. We give to that. 
Maybe find a child that you can sponsor. Maybe give to missions. There's a way for you to do that here. We, we did a whole push. There's shirts back there, the Maryland shirts. We gave to people that gave to missions. And a lot of you gave to missions because we are part of a denomination, the Church Nazarene denomination, that is very missional and is all about missions. There's a, they, the Church Nazarene has churches in 162 different world areas. It's the second most out of any denomination right behind Catholicism. And, not, and Church Nazarene is not that big. It's all about helping people. They help by... Um, by what, by providing wells, by providing schools, by building churches, and there's ways that you can give. If we can't go physically, which a lot of us can't go physically to other world areas, we need to give to those that do. And a lot of you did do that, which I appreciate. But I would encourage you, if you did that, you can also do it continually. You can also give continually. I'm, I'm asking, especially if you're owners and you're able to do it, to give more than just that one time. Give on a recurring basis online. You can click, you can uh, check missions, and right back there on the table, we have things for that. Um, you can give to the food pantry. We do a food pantry every second or fourth um, Saturday of the month. You can give to our organization that we do for the quarter. We're going to be collecting art supplies um, at the end of this quarter for barrier-free. Find things that you can give. I'm not telling you how much or what, but give above your tithes and offering. How else do we pour and not store? The last one, we serve. We serve. We aren't just called to be generous with our physical stuff. We are called to pour our talents, our time, and invest in God's kingdom. God calls us to serve, to give some of our time to help others. And I'm not going to tell you all the ways you can serve. Here, there are so many ways you can serve. There are so many ministry teams from the host team to the kids team upstairs, who I'm telling you needs more people to help up there, okay? If you're looking for a place to serve and you like kids, I'm begging you to serve up there because we, every week we have 20 or so kids. You can hear them running around. I love that sound. I love it. We have kids up there. We need people to serve there. We have student ministry that's going to be starting back up in September that we're going to be doing something different than we've ever done. We need people to serve in those areas. We need people to serve in worship. We need people to serve in the look back. Everyone turn around really quick. There's one guy back there running three things. We need people to serve, okay? We need people to serve in different areas. Maybe for you, you're just really good at having people over your house and you're very hospitable and you like making food. Then serve God by having people over at your house. Find ways to serve. Find ways to do that. We have outreach events like the food pantry like I talked about. Things like that. Find ways to serve. And here's, I'm going to close. I know I'm, I'm going a little long here. Um, I'm going to close with one quick story and then we're going to sing a song and get you guys out of here. Um, I remember the first time that I wrote like a big tithe check. I was in college. I was working at Sabaro's at Arundel Mills Mall. I would, the one serving the pizza and killing all the roaches that were around there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to break it to you. Um, I still ate the pizza. It didn't bother me. It, it wasn't on the pizza most of the time. So um, I, I, made, I made minimum wage, right? And um, again, it's not enough. I don't make enough. I'm not going to give. And I heard a sermon that really convicted me and um, and I really felt like the best thing for me to do at that time, because I had not tied that all, and I've been working for a while, is to give 10% of what was in my bank account. Um, so I gave like a hundred bucks. <laughs> like I did not give a lot because I didn't have a lot in my bank account. Um, so I gave a big check. And for me at the time, that was like a full paycheck. It was a lot. So I gave a big check to church. Um, a couple weeks later, Coincidentally, you might say it's coincidence. Uh, my dad called and said, "Hey, we got your um, your tax returns back for the past two years. You've made like four thousand bucks this year. Like, 
literally the week I gave to church, the next week my tax return came back and I got a lot of money. Now, a lot of us get returned, right? But to me, it was like, this is weird. That the second I step in obedience, I get something in return. So from then, I started consistently giving. And it was hard. Every job that I made a little more money, my tie check rose a little more because 10% when you make more increases everybody. So I started doing that. And it got harder and harder. And then, right before we were supposed to start the Impact Church process, I lost my job, basically. I went four months without working at all. But I've been consistent with my giving. And if you said, hey, well, how did you like survive? Because just your wife made a lot of money and I didn't have much money in our savings account. I couldn't tell you. I don't have like a check that showed up. I don't, we didn't win the lottery. All I know is that September happened. I didn't have a paycheck. I didn't get a paycheck until late December and we made it and all of our bills were paid and we still had a savings account. I don't know what happened. Here's what I do know. Once I started consistently giving to God, he multiplied. When you became generous. Some of you have heard sermons like this and you've thought, I don't know if I can do this. It's too extreme for me. I, I would have to rearrange my entire life to accomplish this. And I would say, yes, you do. I, in order for me to do this, I would have to put God first in everything, including my money. And I would say, yes, you do. Some of you would say, this takes crazy faith in order to do this. And I would say, yes, it does. But it's what we're called to do. This is the only thing in the Bible that God says, test me. Malachi 3.11 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. As followers of a generous God, we don't store be poor. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for being the generous God that you are that gives so much to us, that multiplies what you gives us, that gives us the ability to, to serve you, to work, to, to have things. And dear God, we are so thankful that you provide for us. And I pray that you give us the courage to take that next step when it comes to our finances, to practice self-denial through our finances, whether it's starting by tithing, whether it's giving above it through missions or any other organizations, whether it's serving, whatever it is, give us the courage and the conviction to take that step so that we can serve you better, the generous God that you are. In your son's name, amen. amen. Let's sing and let's uh, close today with a song.